0: Hey everyone, so obviously we are quite a way ahead in our schedule when we record episodes of this podcast, but we thought we should give a little disclaimer up front that this episode weirdly enough given all the ties was recorded the day after the passing of Chadwick Boseman so all of that is still very fresh inevitably whether it's him or just sort of projects adjacent to him I mean we know who re- who directed this movie and what he went on to direct he is likely going to tangentially come up and we will uh go through this as best we can but we thought it was probably just best to acknowledge that up front so yeah here we go Go.
1: I can lead you astray, straight to hell if you like. Give me a big black box and I can open your eyes. Are we keeping it real? Are we keeping it tight? Are we all just thinking
0: about it? Welcome back to There Will Be Movies Volume 2. This is 2010 to 2019. 25 of our favorite movies of the decade. And this is Creed. My name is Matt Waters. I'm joined by Ben Phillips. Ben, as the disclaimer said at the top, not the happiest of days, but, you know, how are you doing?
1: I'm good. I've got to watch two Ryan Coogler's movies this week. I'm rolling in good cinema in terms of what I've watched. It's just there is a pal over everything we're about to discuss today. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) <laughs>
0: like, I, it hit me immediately that, shit, we have to talk about greed, and you said, I didn't even think about that, and then you threw it back at me of, like, the Rocky character battling cancer in this movie, and I was like, fuck, I didn't think about that part of it, so, yeah, and then you got Felicia Richard is in it, Michael B. Jordan is in it, like, these people that worked with him, and then, like, you know, knew him so well, but yeah. we'll see what happens. So, I chose this, you had not seen it until we did this episode, a rare reversal of how that normally plays out, where you force me to be cultured and watch these big grown-up movies that I've been putting off forever but wanted to watch. I grew up a fan of the Rocky series. With time, I've sort of acknowledged really the first one is the only, like, truly good one. Rocky Balboa is, like, way better than it had any right to be, but, like, that phrasing is how I would describe Creed in that we've heard the rants about everything's a reboot, everything's a remake, everything's a sequel, nothing is new, and, you know, to reboot Rocky decades later, I mean, Rocky Balboa didn't come out that long ago, but, you know, the the main Rocky series decades ago, and it's going to be, oh, it's Creed's son and stuff like that, like, it sounds like it's not going to be good. And to drag Sylvester Stallone at age 68, 69-ish, 69 when it came out, but 68 probably when it was filmed, and depend on him to, you know, I don't want to trash him, but, like, given the latter-day roles he has performed in his career, it shouldn't work. (laughs) And yet you have this incandescent, rocket-to-the-top director behind it, both directing and and co-writing the script, and you have another, like, destined-for-great-things lead actor, and that trio of, of Michael B. Jordan, Sylvester Stallone, and Tessa Thompson just really carry this into being something remarkably good, given what was working against it. And also, I mean, I know we had Moneyball, but I was quite keen to get a sports movie on here. We do a lot of the same type of movie, and 2015... There weren't a huge number of things leaping off the page at us that qualified, and this just sort of seemed a good alignment of the stars, so here we are. You watched it for the very first time. You have much of a history... Oh, no, I know the answer to this. I was going to ask you, do you have much of a history with Rocky, but... You I,
1: I watched Rocky for the first time this week as well. Like, Obviously, <laughs> I'm one of those guys who's like, I know the plot of all Rockies. Like, I know the structure of every Rocky movie, just mm-hmm. because it's just a weird obsession to like know how a franchise works, but I'd never seen any of them, so I was like... Did you like Rocky? I did like Rocky. Rocky's really good. Rocky is really good. Rocky's yeah. really good. Creed's really good. Rocky's obviously... two
0: to six are of a varying level of quality. <laughs> Avoid five at all possible costs. Although I mean, saying I... that probably makes you morbidly curious about watching it, but...
1: <laughs> I mean, that's the thing, is it's like, I've got this like, weird thing where it's like, do I just watch all of them now? But like there's a lot of other movies I want to watch. Like Maybe I'll circle back to two through six, but, mm. but for now, I'm happy with the two forays that I made this week. Well, I guess if you ever watch Creed 2,
0: watching Rocky... <laughs> Four and arguably two and three <laughs> be quite important for that, and they're threatening to do a Creed three with the son of Clubber Lang from Rocky three, and it's like that's, that sounds bad. Don't just keep doing this. I it's mean... a logical thing for the sequel, I guess, to like go there with Drago, but like I wouldn't want to see it.
1: Keep going like. Yeah, like what? What relationship does Creed have to Clever Lang? None. <laughs> like, like, is there is there any part of Clever Lang's story that actually had like an emotional impact on any of the characters?
0: Really in- not really. It just was a, th- a reason to strengthen the bond between Rocky and Apollo. Like, but yeah, like,
1: what, what what movie is it that like Mickey dies?
0: Pre? Maybe I really don't know off the top of my head.
1: I'm just I'm just wondering. I know he like-
0: trains under Apollo's trainer, which is Wood Harris's father in this, uh, the the character's father, sorry. Or maybe two, I really don't remember. I've seen them all, I've seen them all multiple times, but just in terms of little bits like that, I really couldn't place
1: it for it's, you. It's funny to think that, like, obviously Rocky 1, for a franchise, there's only, I mean, obviously it's six movies, but it does have like a strong supporting cast that is like all present from the beginning, where it's like, is Rocky, there's Mickey, there's Adrian, there's mm. Paulie, and all of, like, almost all of whom are mentioned in Creed. Yep. in some way, and I I won't say all of them are successful, I think Paulie's kind of really fucking weird in in Rocky as a character, in terms of just being, oh, you're just an arsehole and everyone kind of puts up with you.
0: It gets worse. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like, the degree to which he is abusive of Adrian is insane. He's fucking in Rocky Barboa. It's a weird one, but yeah, everyone is mentioned in Creed.
1: So I was going to ask, so did you go into this with any expectation? Like, I'm sure you're not going into this going like, wow, I fucking love Ryan Coogler and Michael B. Jordan, let's see these two people. Um,
0: I loved Michael B. Jordan already. I really... I'm struggling to remember the first thing I saw him in, but I Would was Would it be already, Friday Night Lights? Maybe, but I feel I just already had a tangential awareness of him, and then I didn't know anything about... It
1: could, be, it could about... be Chronicle as well. Could be the other thing. Oh, I
0: Chronicle had... I had seen him in, for sure. I knew nothing of Ryan Coogler. I didn't see Fruitvale Station until after I'd seen Creed, but I think from the first trailer I was like, shit, this looks actually good. And then I watched it and I was like, fuck, it is actually good. <laughs> I think it was getting nice write-ups as well. So, yeah. Directed by Ryan Coogler. The other movies from the decade are Fruitvale Station and Black Panther. Black Panther is, of course, disqualified because we talked about it in Ben and Matt's Marvelous Journey obviously a hell of a movie Oscar nominated
1: in ways this movie should have been as well yes uh, <laughs> this I movie mean, obviously, 100% obviously deserved. the Oscars are like they they get to a point where they're just like we need to nominate the biggest movie of the year otherwise we're failing and I mean, Black Panther's a cultural moment in a way that Creed and Fruitvale Station aren't
0: hmm.
1: I mean not to say that they're bad movies I've not actually seen Fruitvale Station but, it, you should, but the only negative thing I've heard about it are people saying like I know what the movie is about and people have said like it's the most last day-y last day that mm. someone could possibly have in terms of just the amount of coincidences ah, yeah. that go in terms of the structure
0: that's fair that is fair co-written by ryan coogler and aaron covington who is a friend of coogler's aaron covington would go on to write the story mode for one of the nba 2k games featuring michael b jordan
1: is it is it better than spike's Lee's?
0: it is much better than spike lee's one i think it might be the best one of those they've done and he wrote it really well and michael b jordan's really good in it and it's uh, is
1: Michael B. Jordan, like,
0: the main character? No, he's, you're, like, a tandem with him, and you, like, take the league by storm, this this rookie sensation, these two rookies, and um, there's, like, dialogue options that, like, will affect your relationship with him, which can then affect how you play together on the court, and it was, it was really slickly done, and he's really good in it it is kind of weird like they make him like super 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 fucking good but they make him his real life height so like he's tiny but (laughs) it's just dunking on everyone and it's like well fair enough but yeah, I think that's literally all Aaron Covington has written, is <laughs> is Creed and the best story mode in a basketball game, potentially. So not a bad pair there, but Michael B. Jordan just really loves working with these two, I guess, because, like, literally, Fruitvale Station, this, Black Panther. I don't know if Kugler has produced any more projects that jordan is in that he didn't direct but yeah i guess he's his muse you know some people just get really obsessed with a particular actor and or they just have a really good relationship together and
1: i'm glad he's hitched himself to this wagon rather than i mean obviously he did hitch himself very briefly to josh trank but that obviously (laughs) came off the wheels
0: oh of course yeah Yeah, I guess, thanks for Chronicle, here's Fantastic Four. Oh, I get racist abuse. Oh, and the movie sucks. Thanks, dude. And
1: they come out the same year as each other as well. Ugh.
0: Rough times. So, speaking of the year it came out, released November twenty fifth, twenty fifteen in the US. Not until January fifteenth in the UK. So, in terms of the UK releases, almost one year to the day of when Whiplash came out. So that's fun. So Ben, as this is our only stop off in twenty fifteen, why don't you run us through the year that was for context?
1: Yeah. So let's go through movies that should have been nominated. Like movies that were nominated for the Oscar that Creed also probably should be nominated for. You've got Best Picture winner Spotlight, The Big Short, which obviously is what poisons the well of all Hollywood discourse around political issues. Bridge of Spies, Brooklyn, Mad Max Fury Road, a movie which we will never discuss. At well,
0: all I know again. which one I would drop. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the Martian, The Revenant, and Room. There are good movies in there. It's that just wrong? when you get to eight, you're like, you could put Creed in there. How, how did 5% of people not go like, yeah, Creed's good enough? Especially yeah. when it's like the first great sequel to Rocky which historically won the Oscar over Mm -hmm. movies that have maybe not stood the test of time because Rocky was this humongous hit but are held up as being just icons of cinema. It's up against all the president's men it's up against Taxi Driver and then the movie that wins is (laughs) the little sports movie that's got a little bit more of a saccharine heart to it.
0: Yeah. Spotlight I think is plenty fine. I can see 100% why it got nominated. I really don't think it was the best movie of that year but I don't get a vote in the Academy Awards unfortunately. You're not so.
1: old enough. You are white enough.
0: Sure am those two. Also I assume you do have to be American. Or do you not? No
1: you could, no, you don't. To be in the Academy you just have to have won an Oscar or, I can't remember what the other thing is, but like you, you get invited to join the Academy and they choose who they want oh, to wow. invite. But if you win an Oscar you automatically get into the Academy.
0: Are you saying we should sort of ship up on this podcast and get it together as a professional outfit so that we can one day vote? I mean we haven't trashed the Oscars almost every week for 50 <laughs> weeks at all. Uh, maybe not. You
1: know, everyone does it, eventually, but then they win an Oscar and then they get to change it from the inside.
0: Alright, I'll go that way then. I'll try and win an Oscar.
1: Okay. But yeah, movies that people actually went to go see at the cinema, you've got The Martian, which this is the year's massive financial success and also weird award success. Like, mm-hmm. I like The Martian a lot. It's just weird that it came this award's Almost Darling.
0: That's another one where it's like, it's plenty fine, but I don't know if I
1: would lose my mind over it to that degree. Hung Games Mockingjay Part 2, Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, a movie we've discussed on Secret Agent Men, which you can listen to right now. Inside Out, Spectre, another movie you can listen to on Secret Agent Men. (sighs) 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 Ugh, (laughs) woof. Minions... Avengers, Age of Ultron, then and Marvel's Journey, hmm. Furious 7, Jurassic World, and Star Wars Episode 7, The Force Awakens. Have, did you discuss The that?
0: only one we have not discussed, so I guess at some point we need to. But yeah, myself and Mike Thomas, we do Star Wars at Christmas, and uh, spoilers, we've just recorded Solo. Several. Oh, it has, it has finally been recorded, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, we recorded it, and it's not going to actually come out until Christmas. So. Uh,
1: yeah, so it was a huge success, $2 billion. I think people <laughs> saw it. <laughs> You look at it and it's like every single one of those movies is from a franchise. I think, like, what, there is two movies on that list that neither have a sequel nor a relationship to a previous movie.
0: Inside Out, so Pixar movies are guaranteed to make a shitload of money.
1: Yep, and The Martian.
0: And The Martian, which, yeah, I guess just the power of Matt Damon and, like, a big, prestigy movie.
1: Look, you have to know that if we have to go rescue Matt Damon from somewhere, it's going to mm. make a lot of money. Saving Private Ryan, Interstellar, yeah. The Martian. Yeah. In terms of movies that people liked in the year, uh, people apparently liked a movie called Mad Max Free Road.
0: Whatever. Do You have the opportunity...
1: Uh, another movie that has been discussed on this on not this podcast, but in this podcast network, Carol.
0: Christmas Special, the first one we did, maybe. I think we did Carol and Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Two very different movies.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Two very different movies. The Assassin, Inside Out, Son of Saul, a absolutely devastating Holocaust movie. Tangerine, Ex Machina, Anomalisa, Spotlight, The Lobster, Brooklyn, 45 Years, Creed, Room, Magic Mike XXL. There are good movies in this year, but I do think it was like, finding the right mix of what movies we would want to discuss for an extended yeah. period of time
0: magic mike xxl got that higher rating i thought my
1: xxl is wonderful
0: i've seen the first one i think the first one is good i always thought the second one was like i, I haven't seen it i thought it was supposed to be like a big step down but
1: no anyway. Magic my xxl's kind of got this like cult how is
0: donald glover it. good Okay, I know that Joey M with his uh, Backstreet nice Boys policy. moment is uh, is incredible, but that does I not mean, a movie make.
1: <laughs> it's, it's the weird thing where, like, even though it's not directed by Soderbergh, mm-hmm. Soderbergh did the cinematography for it, so he's just what? there every single day. <laughs>
0: We just didn't want the director credit.
1: Gregory Jacobs directs Magic Mike XXL, but it's still edited and cinematographed by Steven Soderbergh.
0: What the shit? Is this basically that thing he does where he sometimes directs movies under a pseudonym because he just doesn't <laughs> feel like being credited? <laughs>
1: he's just, he's a man who does... A lot. He did, like,
0: almost all of the work, and he turned down the director credit. Okay. Well, there you go. That's 2015. How did this do opening weekend in the United quote-unquote kingdom?
1: It opened at number three to the equivalent of 3.3 million dollars, behind The Revenant at number one, and Star Wars episode seven at number two in its fifth weekend. That is insane that that movie made a million and a half pounds more or dollars more than, than Creed in its fifth weekend.
0: This is so funny, I wanted to see Creed. I would have been working with you at this point. I saw The Revenant instead, and I wasn't that interested in seeing The Revenant. And I was like, why didn't I see Creed? <laughs> but that's what happened.
1: <laughs> the Revenant's got Leonardo DiCaprio, that's probably why you saw it. <laughs> and then other, other mo- big movies, you've got Daddy's Home at number four, The Hateful Eight, at number five, Danish Girl, Room, The Peanuts movie, which surprisingly looks really good. Just in terms of an aesthetic choice, maybe yeah, not in yeah. terms of qualitative choice, joy and the good dinosaur, the Pixar movie that literally no one ever remembers exists, no, doesn't exist. What if there was a good dinosaur?
0: They're, they're animals. Like what? There is no good or bad.
1: <laughs> we are a, we are placing a moral judgment on the back of a of creature that does not exist
0: the shit, Pixar. Well, This movie made for about 35 to 40 million dollars. It makes 174. Nice little amount of money. I'm sure the second one made a lot more. Yeah, the second one makes 214 million, so a healthy increase there. And it's 133 minutes long, which makes it the longest in the... I mean, I consider Rocky and Creed to be one franchise, but Stay tuned, Sylvester Stallone may have other ideas. And the original script was actually even longer than this, but I think largely that's because... They basically made a Rocky movie and then also made a drama movie and just sort of stitched the... I don't think they're, like, awkwardly pieced together, but it's kind of having it both ways, which is contributing to... Yeah,
1: I think, I think the main thing I took away from this movie is it knows how to land the Creed half of the movie, and it kind of... not that it flails around and struggles, it's just the Rocky half of the movie feels a bit... Adrift in terms of, like, what they were trying to do with it.
0: I don't know. I, I think one of the strengths is, like, how well it stitches itself onto the tail end of that franchise while also being its completely own thing.
1: I'm just more thinking about, like, the cancer subplot doesn't really have Mm. a resolution beyond he's getting treatment. Yeah. And the final shot of the movie is obviously the recreation Mm. of, of them climbing the 72 steps, and it's like, it feels like this is the obvious choice for the last shot, but we haven't really put a full stop on what Rocky's story is it's just we've done the full stop on Creed's story but there's still a question mark about Rocky's health going forward and you close it on like not even the end point of Rocky's journey in Rocky 1 you're closing it on the thing that he does before he goes to have that big final fight and it's just it's a weird almost ellipsis at the end of it. It works, I don't think the movie's bad, I don't think it suffers for it.
0: I think it also has a vibe to it where it potentially isn't the last thing to have happened chronologically, that it's something that in theory happened before the fight that they're showing at the end, because I can't remember if you can see his face, if he looks as messed up as he is at the end, or if it's just supposed to be so long after that he's healed, but it's a nice little touch at the end, though. Like, I mean, Rocky Balboa ends with clips of real life of people running the stairs in a nice little montage, but...
1: You can't go to Philadelphia. If you go to Philadelphia, you have to either mention the Rocky Steps or you have to mention the Liberty Bell. (laughs) Indeed.
0: I also think that, like, they do a really good job of... They make... Rocky feel real, in a way. That sounds strange, but, like, Rocky always felt like it was in this weird alternate dimension because very obviously there is no Muhammad Ali in the world of Rocky, and Apollo Creed is essentially an allegory for him. They mention boxers from before their time, quite a lot, but it's sort of like, it's in its own world where, like, Tyson doesn't exist and... uh, But then this, they kind of make it, I don't know, the job they do of establishing Rocky as, like, a legend kind of thing. And, like, the scene with the statue and people Taking pictures there and stuff. I don't know. It, it
1: Rocky movies kind of become, from what I can tell, more about the legacy of yeah. the character of Rocky, and obviously a lot of that bleeds into the real-world perception of the legacy of Rocky in mm. terms of it being the most noteworthy character that uh, that Stallone's ever played.
0: Right. Let's do it then. So, in 1998, Adonis Johnson is adopted by his father's widow, who takes him out of juvenile detention and he has no idea he is the son of Apollo Creed. This little scene is is fine, the kid is is perfectly okay. I think a lot of like child actors are a little bit dodgy. I can see why you put it in here. I don't think it's so bad I would cut it, but it's obviously just sort of like, let's let's get to the good stuff kind of thing.
1: They're not as good as Michael B. Jordan was as a child actor.
0: No, they are not. Which is the
1: weird <laughs> part of like, when you have actors who grew up on screen and then you cast someone who looks like them and you know who they're supposed to be playing. But I was watching this entire scene. And I was like, I know what Michael <laughs> B. Jordan looks like at the age that you're supposed to be think he looks like. I've watched The Wire, I know this.
0: They're but yeah, I mean we get it. He's he's a little fighter just like his dad, he's an angry young man.
1: I don't think the movie is like condemning the whole stereotype of like, oh, it doesn't have a father figure in his life. Like Yes,
0: angry he's... black man without father fights is thug. Like it's not doing that, I don't think. No, but
1: it is very obviously a something that they're, they're playing off of and riffing on for this early part and it's just like, let's let's give this kid a chance to prove themselves by putting them into a world of relative wealth and privilege.
0: Felicia Rashad is replacing Sylvia Meals, who died in 2011. I am sure Kugler would have approached her to reprise that role.
1: It's weird because obviously Felicia Rashad disappears for a very long stretch of this movie. It feels like she She's being set up as having, like, another emotional through line with him. But she really does vanish after... the the kind of setup of him moving to Philadelphia
0: she's in the second one a lot more they move to LA to be near her so she's in a decent amount there and she calls Rocky and convinces them to train him again you know and sort of speaking of some of what we've just spoken of like so we see that 17 years later he basically boxes in Mexico like drives across the border boxes and then just goes to work the next day like maybe fights on weekends that kind of thing without her knowledge he's got this cushy job in, in like a finance company he's just gotten Promoted. Obviously, she is a very wealthy woman off the back of being married to a mega celebrity. And I think there is definitely this. Or, like, Bianca will say that, like, fighters are normally quite street and it's like you're not a square or anything. But, like, you know, he is very clearly received a very good education. He is very clearly, like, well dressed, has money. It is an interesting dynamic here where he sort of fluctuates between those two worlds where, like, I don't think it's so much like he has been, like, saved by wealth or whatever, but. There is definitely a bit of a a class... Or an interesting class dynamic going on with Donnie as a person.
1: Yeah, and it's something that that Kugler is obviously interested in. And I think he realises it's not something that needs to be in this movie, but it's obviously very important shading to an awful lot of what's going on in that he's moving to somewhere without a lot of upward social mobility Hmm. in this movie, in terms of Philadelphia. But also, this is someone who presumably, thought that they were going to have almost zero social mobility before they got plugged out of this and put into wealth and comfort. And so the movie isn't playing with it in a way where it's like, that's what the movie's about. But it is something that's that's very... It's sort of
0: in the background. It sort of colours some of his, some of the decisions that he makes, some of the moments that happen, like, you occasionally see him I don't want to say reverting back to being sort of an angry young man, but there is definitely a stretch of the movie towards the end where he does kind
1: of threaten to implode. And he does get checked for his privilege by numerous black people throughout the movie. Like, mm-hmm. obviously we're still on his side, because you can see people are approaching him in the wrong way, but it is a matter of, like, a reason why a lot of people have a chip on their shoulder around him, even even if he's obviously very talented, is because they sit there and go, you think you're better than us because of who your dad is and how you were brought up.
0: Yeah, Bianca very, I think she puts it to him the plainest in that like he says he doesn't want to coast on his father's name, but like you are very clearly hitting up like Rocky and the old gym he trained in and like you are you are taking advantage of connections you wouldn't have if you weren't his son. So in, you can't have it both ways kind of Yeah
1: thing. he I mean like the whole start of this movie is once he once he quits his job he goes to the De- gym that his dad used to Yeah,
0: do. the Delphi gym, yeah. And, and uh, basically
1: it's just like you need to train me and then he wins <laughs> one fight and then gets laid the fuck out by is it the third best?
0: Number two, pound for pound two, in the world. Yes. Danny Wheeler, played by Andre Ward, an Olympic medal-winning boxer who, when Michael B. Jordan was training for the movie, he, like, patterned his boxing style after him, among other people. And I think they show you, in that little, like, HBO special, I think they show you him holding a medal, and that that is the guy's real medal. It's Duke Evers, I think he's Tony uh, Jr. So it's like, you know, he is the son of, of Apollo's trainer and he's just like, no, I'm not fucking training you. Your father died in the ring. I'm not training you and I'm making sure no one I know is trained you either, basically. Although he's perfectly happy to let randoms Train, you know, like it's it's that thing of like you know your father died in the ring. I'm not letting you step in the ring. It's like, but any of these kids could die in the ring, you
1: know. <laughs> so is, is that the reason why they make it? Is because he's like worried that this person will die? Because that that was the. I one... think it's just
0: that kind of thing of like when it's like a tight knit network of friends and people like that who feel that they have this bond of brotherhood, you know, through through the fraternity of boxing. I should say that like I'm not as a sort of duty of care to your deceased father. I will not train you. I will not allow you to follow in his. His footsteps which you know again is why he's fighting in mexico because he's had no formal training i would doubt he has a boxing license which isn't really a thing in this but was a plot point in some of the other movies and we talked about class like that's another sort of backhanded thing of like you know everything's yeah. legal in mexico where you go and like he's like that isn't boxing that's barroom brawling and stuff yeah, like and, that and the whole
1: thing is like he puts up his 1965 mustang <laughs> to the person who can win and it comes off as like very privileged to exactly
0: be like, yeah and he's like he's told no. And told no. he's just like, right, fuck it, anyone, if you can even land a headshot, I'll give you my mustang. And then, yeah, he gets fucking ass kicked. Yeah, and that's another thing. Every boxer in this movie, except for Michael B. Jordan, is played by a boxer, and that is not how they did it in the Rocky movies, until Rocky V. Obviously, some of them have probably at some point in their life done a little bit of boxing. I mean, mean,
1: that's the thing. Carl Weathers, he was an actor first, he wasn't anyone who did sports, but I know that Dolph Lundgren did martial arts, Mm -hmm. and obviously Mr. T was a professional wrestler. Yeah, well... <laughs> <laughs> they have sports pedigree, it's just they don't have
0: boxing yeah. pedigree. But they they're... went for actors and that could convincingly play boxers more than they went for boxers who could act. And I think that's how they shift it, is they're like, right, these boxers are not going to be able to carry the emotional weight and the dramatic way that, like, a car Weathers could, where it was all about Rocky versus Creed kind of thing. So they're like, okay, we will shift all of the drama to Creed and Rocky... Creed and Bianca, all of that. And then the boxing is just the boxing. Because they present the boxing in a far more realistic manner than any of the Rocky films did. Like, the final fight gets a little bit ridiculous, but for the most part, it's not how it was in Rocky, where, like, they just take a million fucking shots to the head and keep getting up. It's it's an interesting choice for sure, and, like, he is not deterred by this. He says he's gonna go to Philadelphia. And I think Felicia Richard does a really great job in this scene, where she's telling him, like, no, you're not gonna be a fucking boxer. Uh, like, the harrowing tales of having to carry Apollo up the stairs and wipe his ass for him and stuff like that. Like, the, the glory days, the big smiles, flamboyant costumes, top of the world, heavyweight champion, like, that's all great, but, like, the side that people don't see. Rocky Five very famously starts with, he's just beaten Drago in Rocky IV. It's this big emotional moment, and Rocky Five begins with him telling Adrian, he's like, I can't feel my hands. And it's just him sort of sitting in the back after, like, it's supposed to be immediately afterwards. And just him becoming this sort of physical wreck afterwards, which I mean, is obviously was, carried was, through. But I wanted yeah.
1: to ask, that was like, is this a thing that sports movies? Obviously, it feels like in the last 10-20 years, there's a lot of movies and TV about sports people that gets into concussions
0: stuff. and long-term health problems. Yeah. yeah,
1: like getting into like concussions if you play American football, yeah. and and all these different things. Obviously, mm-hmm. like watching Rocky, the most surprising part of that movie in terms of how the fight goes is the scene in which he has his eyelid cut open, yes. so that like the blood can drain out and. It's like it's not particularly graphic. There's just a quick shot of blood, but it is mm. very much this like, oh shit! Like they're causing themselves very real harm. It's obviously a long way away from what we saw in the Wrestler, where <laughs> people are fucking stapling each other and steroids <laughs> are being injected.
0: But it like, is very like, who would want to do this? Why is this a thing that young men are drawn to and that people pay to watch and go crazy for? Because it's just like they are just angrily trying to cripple each other, <laughs> and like they can only fight like three or four times a year. Or well, certainly, like, at a high level, because Donnie is clearly potentially boxing almost every weekend in Mexico or whatever, but,
1: like... Yeah, like, I mean, because every time they bring up the numbers of how many fights they've been in, no one is over, like, 40 fights, like, Oh, even... God, no.
0: That's, like, a lifer would be at that kind of a number, but... Yeah,
1: like, Pretty Rick is 36 and 0.
0: Yeah, and he's coming to the end of his career, although not due to age, but due to impending incarceration. But it, it's insane. And I, I do like, actually, just the little touch of in that first fight in Tijuana, like, he's taking his gloves off while the ref is still counting his opponent down. He knows he's won. (laughs) But yeah, I I think Felicia Rashad's really good here and it is kind of a shame that she kind of just vanishes until she's watching him on TV and has sent him the trunks and everything.
1: Maybe there are more realistic boxing movies that happen, but when you're thinking about the most commercially successful boxing franchise of all time, it's not like we've had to watch Rocky deal with brain damage and stuff like that. Over, Well, like,
0: five, he won't fight anymore because of the injury. And like his protege then wants to fight him, and but he just magically doesn't have brain problems anymore when he starts fighting him in the streets. But yeah, it's a bad fucking movie. But like, <laughs> yeah,
1: that's the thing. It's like it's not like <laughs> get to, to Rocky Balboa, and the entire movie is like he doesn't have very good memory and like. He's... Well, that one's
0: about him being sixty. They acknowledge he's somewhat arth- arthritic. Is the but other But that, that's
1: not a, as, an offshoot of him having done boxing. It's not like they are. <laughs> yeah, they yeah they it's not like he's got
0: of... dementia because he's been hitting the head one too many times Oh, Southpaw would be the one that I would champion in terms of, like, even more realistic than this. All of the fights are really short, and they're not, like, this dramatic, overly showy final blow kind of thing. It's just sort yeah. of a much more just, realistic thing.
1: Just just the shame is written by a notorious scumbag. Yes. I just, but not... I, did not, I didn't actually know what the term Southpaw meant until I watched these movies. Oh, really?
0: Okay. Yeah, I guess I, I've just I... grown up with that term, so I always did. But yeah, I guess it probably, if I think back, it's probably the most prominent use of the term. Um, for sure.
1: I just knew the movie called Southpaw and I just assumed it Mm. was like a nickname for the boxer in the movie. I didn't realise it was an actual (laughs) boxing term to refer to someone who is left-handed and will throw other boxers off of their rhythm. Which I I did find quite interesting because it's like in in Rocky when you have Apollo like trying to figure out who he wants to box and just how great and charismatic Carl Weathers is in those scenes where he's just like being a businessman.
0: (laughs) Managing his brand.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And he's in like three scenes before that final fight in just Owning it in every single one of them, but yeah. when he's going through and like the reason he picks Rocky is because he likes the name, and everyone's like, yeah, but he's a southpaw. This is
0: yeah, it's a difficult fight. A... Like they're unpredictable. In the world of tennis, Rafa Nadal, he is naturally right-handed, but his trainer at the age of five or whatever fucking ridiculously young age he started training at, put the racket in his left hand because it's an advantage. Yeah, so he... you, you,
1: it's not something that most people. Yeah, know it, just, how to...
0: it just makes you play against your natural instincts. Things are coming at you from different angles than you're used to, and it's just it is an advantage. So, yes, Donnie is not deterred. Off he goes to Philadelphia to seek out Rocky. We, of course, get the roots in Philly. (laughs) I love... You actually asked me, like, if Ryan Coogler had any connection to Philly. He might do that I don't know about. I know he's from Oakland, but, like, they do very lovingly present Philadelphia, and they kind of present a different Philadelphia than you see in the Rocky movies. Like, they present a black Philadelphia. Yeah, I mean, Rocky Um,
1: Rocky 1 is obviously very destitute, but they... And there are... I did find it quite interesting what in Rocky 1 how almost every boxer in the gym that Rocky frequents was a person of colour
0: there are many bits of stand up about how the lower your like (laughs) racial social standing the better a boxer you are but I did did
1: find it quite interesting watching this movie from 1976 especially after having a moment of like going through a lot of race stuff like I've read March recently by John Lewis and just seeing a movie out in 1976 in which even casually like there aren't obviously like the characters who speak in Rocky who are black are quite well off and wealthy because they are riffing on Muhammad Ali, but almost every Ancieri character who Rocky's in that gym with is black, but it's just a subtle... I I mean, I I don't know how much... Yeah, I
0: I don't think they ever tried to sort of whitewash Philadelphia in any way. I I don't think they were trying to pretend it was like a a working class white town. I mean, it kind of is, but it is also a... No,
1: but you you think about those movies where like they will only cast white extras and stuff like that, Mm. And, and just the difference in terms of just just having it be like that obviously it's still a very white like, movie in terms of the main kind of core four to five characters on that one side yeah. but uh just just the casual amounts of people who are milling around who are black as yeah. fa- and showing a more slummy version of philadelphia where like the streets are covered in trash and mm-hmm. and it's not safe for this girl to walk home and so rocky walks her home and stuff like that
0: yeah i have always loved the philadelphia music scene bianca wardrop jill as in jill's Got John Legend, The Roots, and I know they're not from there, but like they played there a lot. Like I've always loved artists like Common, Talib, Kweli, Mustaf. Like they would all like collaborate with The Roots um, in the city. And I think like literally to to play a Roots song as soon as he arrives, it, it, it's it's a good touch.
1: Yeah, I I just had to ask because obviously it feels like an interesting. Because why would Kugler take this unless he felt like he had some kind of personal connection yeah. or ability to tell a story that's more interesting here? And I don't. I think he's coming at it from an angle of L.A. boy goes mm. to Philadelphia to, like...
0: An inverted Fresh Prince, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> I think it is kind of what we've just been saying is that, like... While he may not be from there, I think there may be a bit of a conscious effort to capture that city from his perspective and from what, knowing what he does culturally about Philly in a way that maybe... I mean, Stallone directed several of the Rocky movies. I might always forget the name of the guy that directed the first one, though.
1: John G. Avlidson, who won Best Director at the Oscars.
0: But yeah, they're just, like, in a way that those two may not necessarily have access to or be equipped culturally to cover. I like it. It feels... Alive. I like that, you know, obviously he's from money. He had a well-paying job. I don't know if, like, he necessarily gets handouts from her but like they showed the duffel bag full of money that he'd been winning in fights in Mexico just to sort of establish how he can just rock up and have even a shitty studio apartment but you know this bare bones fucking apartment where he's just working out and training for boxing and then he even moves out of it but is presumably still paying for it I don't know he goes and sees the Rocky statue and he calls in at Adrian's the restaurant and yeah he he speaks to Rocky and I love this these two have such Great chemistry. I think all three of them. It's why it works, quite frankly, but like there is a notable shift in. I always wonder, like, how. Like, famously, Rocky Three has the unofficial third fight, ding ding, and then they go to credits. And I reckon Stallone has been walking around up until this movie. Oh, Rocky won the fight. But they take a decided. Oh, he did. Calling Apollo the best ever boxer. Nobody was ever better than him. Inferring he only beat him because he got older or whatever, and he maybe couldn't have beat him when. When he he's maybe past his prime by the time Rocky 2 rolls around Kind of. yeah
1: thing. I think what it feels like in Rocky is that on a technical level Rocky is nowhere near as good as yeah. Apollo yeah. the entire thing is just he has the tenacity to take punches and last through an entire fight like, yeah he's he the working
0: class schlub who will take a hit and keep coming and
1: he's also got the southpaw advantage kind of thing he won't go down to a knockout which again this movie replicates that entire thing of like <laughs> someone who was historically, is very overwhelmingly likely to score a knockout, just unable to, and just finding themselves in a fight that goes on longer than they're used to.
0: Yeah, I mean, that was the rumble in the jungle, that is how spoilers, Donnie beats Drago in in Creed 2, is that Drago wins all of his fights very quickly, and once it goes past four rounds, he just can't really deal with it the degree to which they pour this on i mean i don't know i i haven't seen them in a little while but like it feels to me that there is a shift that has happened and i don't know if it's supposed to be out of respect for the fact that this is this is a movie about creed's son so maybe we should put a little bit more respect on apollo's name to make it feel not more real but you know like um... it
1: does also feel disingenuous if they hadn't done anything.
0: Yeah, it is nice hearing him talk about him. They get into a, a bit of a spat because he doesn't immediately say who he is, but uh, you know, when they when he does and he's sort of like, Oh yeah, you haven't spoken to her since the funeral and getting into a bit of an argument about the Drago fight and like what Apollo wanted and him saying, I think he'd rather be here talking with you which is that's an uppercut, but emotionally kind of thing. Donnie's relationship with Apollo, they don't fully delve into it. It's kind of like, you never really hear him talking at great length about how he feels about him, because obviously, like, he is the product of an affair. He didn't know him, but he has this giant shadow looming large over his life.
1: Yeah, obviously you've got the scene early on where he's watching the fight from... Is it Rocky 1 or is it Rocky 2, the fight? Uh, Rocky 2. Yeah, he's watching the fight from Rocky 2, and he does the shadow boxing where he's, like, copying how Apollo is boxing.
0: Well, it's interesting, because at first it seems like like he has cast himself in the role of Rocky fighting his father but then mm. it kind of it becomes clear he's just shadow boxing while watching the fight kind of thing more than he's like trying to fight his father but he definitely stands himself on the side where Rocky is but then as the camera angles start changing yeah it's, it's an interesting
1: one. I mean I also think that it's a movie in which he's not grappling with his father he's someone who's grown up without a father figure in his life because Phyllis mm. Richard never remarried and so he almost is trying to have Rocky be the father figure in his
0: life
1: which obviously kind of pushes out the ability for them to treat Apollo as an actual father figure.
0: I think at one point they were planning to film I think they were trying to get Carl Weathers to do some, I don't know if they were going to try and digitally de-age him and do some flashback scenes they never did it. He gave them his full endorsement for the movie and particularly Michael B. Jordan but there are, like, a couple of pieces of archive footage in here. Uh, so he initially turns him down, he's like, I haven't been anywhere near that gym in years, I don't train people anymore, and, you know, Rocky Five, he has his protege, and he turns out to be a fucking dickbag who street fights him, so I guess that would sour him as well. He's very much just, no, no, no. Donnie still goes by the old gym, he also meets Bianca, and uh, she shows him around Philly, so we see at this point, they've, ast- they've been establishing people one by one at this point, when we establish his eventual nemesis. Like he's watching this little package on Conlon versus Wheeler, narrated by Liv Schreiber, doing uh, potentially no money. I think it's quite nice to have this British boxer to make it feel a little bit more global, like the franchise is so Americana to the point that the only non-American he fights is in the height of the Cold War, he fights a fucking cold robotic Russian, to sort of bridge it out a bit, and it it makes it feel like real boxing a little bit more, to have this just this guy from Liverpool kind of thing
1: Yeah, my knowledge of boxing nowadays is that it does feel there's a lot of Brits who are in the upper echelons Yeah,
0: well I mean, boxing is fucking dying is how boxing is these days, MMA killed boxing pretty hard, but I like that he heads downstairs when Bianca's playing the music really loud and it's very clear this has the energy of he's gonna like cuss out a man for playing his music too loud and then she opens the door and instead it's awkward flirting and it's just like yeah but she is so immediately magnetic like she has nailed the accent she is saying Juans. like she is cooler than cool like you know when you, when he runs by and hears her playing and he goes inside and she, you know she's playing this song Grip that I've been obsessed with since I heard it in the movie it's <laughs> such a good fucking song shout out to Ludwig he is on the stage there playing keyboards while she's performing that uh,
1: the award winner Ludwig
0: yeah staying with Kugler throughout they are so good together and I like that it is another one of these where it's like he's assertive but polite you know so it's like he's not like so cocky that she has to basically tell him to fucking call your jets or any, uh, you know, these movies where you see these complete dickbags, get the girl anyway, kind of thing, like, he is respectful in his approach to her. He's not, like, completely harassing her, kind of thing. Like, he's asking questions and listening to the answers. He wants to know like, what what is a drawn? Like, you know, what does that all mean? And, like, she gives the best explanation I've heard. It's a word that I have heard in music for years, and I've just contextually picked up, like, it is a kind of catch-all noun term, but and then talking about the hearing loss that she's going to slowly go through and yet is not deaf in Creed 2. Never mind.
1: I swear I've heard that the daughter has a hearing aid. The age.
0: baby is born deaf. Right. Which is the worst fear. But, but yeah. It, it, it's that thing of like Rocky is just we don't know how the cancer has, has gone with him in Creed 2. She doesn't appear to have progressed any further with the hearing I mean she might. I've seen it once and it was a lot more forgettable than this one. So maybe there is a little scene with her getting worse.
1: I do like that the, the hearing aid does continue Contextualize why exactly she was listening to her music so loud mm-hmm. in her house, and like it, just an interesting—you don't see like a lot of movies won't just casually have a disability in their movie just to kind of show that like people are living with these kind of hidden things about themselves that you just can't assume based on uh, just a cursory opinion. So he comes down all angry to to shout out this person because they're playing the music too loud, and she obviously kind of goes like, "No, I'm not going to turn my music down. I'm going to keep it at the exact same volume that it was at beforehand." Because yeah.
0: And she's also like, I didn't know it was loud. and it's like, I think that's you can take that both ways in that A, she literally doesn't, but B, she's also like, fuck off, dude.
1: But I do like they, they very quickly get past that kind of vague animosity and, yeah. and move on to just them being, as you said, like good and charismatic together because it's two attractive people who've got chemistry. <laughs> like you, you see the way that Tessa Thompson talks about Michael B. Jordan interviews, and it's like yeah. she would only come back for a creature two if he came back one of those kind of relationships where it's very much like if one of them said they didn't want to do it then there wouldn't be any more of these movies
0: she's very like look it's not a date and he's like no it's not a date i just you know show me around philly let's go get a cheesesteak and, like, him just gradually just, you know, listening to her more and just her just falling for his charms. You know, like, the the very charming, like, she's been learning sign language and her favourite is, and she she does the thing for bullshit and it's literally horns and then, like, pantomiming shit coming out the other end. They are electric together. He also tries Rocky again. You know, like, he's helping him, whether he wants to or not, unpack stuff for the restaurant. And, he, you know, he starts calling him Unk which is cute throughout. And, you know, he just keeps on at him. And it starts with just, all right, I'll write down some drills you can do. Because when he goes to the gym, it's like, look, I'll mostly be with my fighters. I'll look in on you when I can. But you're really just paying for the space. And he doesn't have any formal boxing training, like, is the thing. He's tough and he's got, like, raw talent, but, like, he doesn't know what he's doing formally and he doesn't know what to work on. But, yeah, so it starts with him just sitting there writing down some drills, and they play with the age of them and the generational thing. Like, he's sitting there with his little glasses, and then, like, Donny just takes a picture of the piece of paper and uploads it to the cloud and everything. These are, like, old fucking jokes. The low-hanging fruit of doing comedy about the cloud is is a given, but, like, it's... I like it. It, It's charming here. And I also like the touch of how cold Donnie is all the fucking time. (laughs) Because he's from LA and everything. Good stuff. Uh, So Rocky reconsiders his stance, Donnie ends up moving in with him, and a fight is arranged against a local standout, and they've... You know, they they argue a little bit, but, like, it's like, right, six weeks to train, if you don't think I'm ready, you can cancel it. The thing that changes his mind, like, we see Rocky go to Adrian and Paulie's graves, like, he's got his little chair in the tree, he's reading them the paper, and you can see on his face he's, like, thinking it all over, kind of thing, like, his interactions with Donnie. And then he does walk into the gym, he is treated as this mega celebrity by everyone there. They are all just sort of like, oh, oh would, you, would you like to come down? Like, maybe train Leo a little bit? Like, you know, he's like, Ah. Yeah. I'm okay, thank you, though. I I love the way they handle it when people who aren't Donnie see Rocky, and and like even the prison guard later calls him Champ and stuff like that, that he is this local legend.
1: Yeah, uh, I like the relationship. With the Sperinos where Mm. it's not antagonistic, but he can see
0: through his bullshit when he's asking about his weight and stuff. And like, yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) but but just but just the whole stuff with when Rocky rejects Sperino to kind of like come coach his son, and then watches him train this like complete unknown.
0: Mm -hmm. And there is this resentment.
1: There is a resentment, but it isn't like it doesn't come out in terms of like the masculine outburst that you think it would be. It's not like I'm now going to completely destroy. This person, it's just once he figures out who exactly Donnie is and what that means, he's like, well, my son isn't being trained by Rocky. I can use this to my advantage. And when they say, no, 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 I'm not going to fight under my name, it's just like a slow bubbling aggression where it's like the only thing that makes him go back on the and reneg the deal that they have to to box under his one name is when Donnie ultimately wins the fight. It's the one thing where he goes like, oh, well, fuck you then.
0: Yeah, he's like, oh, lucky, lucky punch and stuff like that and he is It's this thing of, like, I think he genuinely respects Rocky, but he then also does want to kind of use him, in a way.
1: I just like it as this, Mm. there's no repercussions to it, at all, really. Like, no one gets mad at him for doing it. He's out with the movie as soon as his son gets beaten. And it's
0: it's obviously come from him, though.
1: But you just watch this series of not microaggressions, but just kind of, like, perceived slights against himself and his family. Yeah,
0: and it's like, I have to like, Leo was an up-and-coming guy in the area. He was supposed to be sort of, like, his big ticket the top and whatnot and he loses against an unknown how do i save face oh i'll tell everyone he's apollo's son and then it's less embarrassing for him we see as is a tradition of the rocky movies a training montage the song nas did with his father playing and it's all this unorthodox stuff which again rocky is known for like you know punching the meat and stuff like that
1: no no i i have heard that catching a chicken is what every boxer has to do Like, I've seen that so many times, and I know that that is, like, a certified way to train. Uh
0: Uh-huh. Grabbing a chicken, the mirror training, the, like, he's running while he's heckling him from up on a bridge... I love the shot of him sitting in a chair reading the paper while Michael B. Jordan is jumping rope next
1: to him. I I adore the glasses look for Stallone. Mm
0: -hmm. It's strange seeing him as this kind of little old man, in a way. Like, where he he is still trying to portray that he's this big, giant, tough guy as he's in his 70s at this point. But yeah, seeing him just sitting there, like, peering up from over his little glasses while he's sitting there in the shape of his fucking life, jumping rope. Them doing the speed bag together... Is really fun, and, like, there's a shot later where, like, they're both doing it. I think in real life Stallone can't do it as fast as he used to be able to as well, but, like, this, you know, him, like, tackling him and stopping him from from keep going, and he's like, ah, you're cheating and stuff like that. Like, it's, they just have this really nice chemistry together. There's more of Donnie and Bianca being cute, like, the bad xylophone freestyle, and then he moves in with him. I like when he's picking the furniture up, and she's like, that's your uncle? he's white. (laughs) And she's like playing dumb about not knowing who he is where she's just like, oh, hello, yes, nice to meet you. And then when he's out of shot, she's like, your uncle's fucking Rocky (laughs) Balboa. Like everybody knows who he is. Like,
1: obviously it's in Philadelphia, but it is weird. I could probably recognise some heavyweight boxing champions of the world, because that is the title that Rocky and, and Apollo had, wasn't it? They were the, yeah, they were
0: the heavyweight champion. Even if I would question if at any point <laughs> in Sloane's life he has been of the weight to fight heavyweight, but whatever.
1: But it's, I don't know whether or not like I would be able to recognise... I mean, you're I'm, you're I'm, saying
0: if Lennox Lewis was from Guildford yes. or, or that area, you're not sure you would know who he was. <laughs>
1: on, on site, if he came up to someone we're like this is my <laughs> uncle I'm like sure
0: cool it's hard to gauge like how internationally famous the character of Rocky is supposed to be yeah I, I
1: think it is if very someone came like, along and
0: beat Muhammad Ali in his prime and then had two reigns as heavyweight champion I guess they'd be pretty fucking famous but then like how many people recognise Lennox Lewis and he was champion for a long time eh don't know but then we get this scene that like so he moves into the house and they are talking about his son Robert so like in Rocky five. Robert Jr. is played by Sage Stallone, who unfortunately passed away before they started filming the movie. I think Stallone considered dropping out. Obviously it was a very dark place following this, and kugler was able to talk with him about it, and convince him to put it into the movie and make it a tribute to his son. And that picture that he is holding is a is a picture of Sylvester and Sage Stallone. I can't imagine how hard this movie was for him to make, especially with the photograph of his actual son and then like, you know, the overriding theme of the movie being this sort of surrogate father son relationship between them. Nothing but respect for like him putting in the work here and getting that Oscar nomination and everything. But yeah, just just very sad seeing it and like seeing Rocky still living in this kind of
1: crappy little house Yeah, he just wants to run a little Italian restaurant named for his wife, which presumably just does good pizza and pasta Yeah, the basics, yeah Donnie fights Leo
0: Sparino, and after he wins it, word gets out. He is a creed. So they change to a new gym. He makes him run after the van the whole way there, because he's quite right. You shouldn't train in the same place as your opponent. And I like that they show you that Donnie does actually struggle under formal training. That he's rough around the edges. Like, he gets into it with his sparring partner a little bit. That, like, he struggles with some of the drills. Some of the guys who are, like, pad men and stuff are kind of, like, criticising him constantly.
1: I like how quickly it kind of dissipates though. Like, he gets in this little fight, and And it's just like go make up obviously it's boxing so tensions are gonna run high like you are fighting someone tensions are are up there but they're like no this is respectful you're not going to and it is something that i quite enjoy is that Mm. like even after the final fight in this movie there is respect that comes out afterwards it isn't like it's always like
0: this like mma and boxing both are built on this like it sells a fight if you are like really personal with each other beforehand and you sell the idea that these two fucking hate each other and then as soon as it's over they're like oh yeah love him nothing but respect they hug it's great and it's like to what degree are you playing everyone kind of thing just to like sell tickets and to what degree is it just kind of that thing of like yeah i'm talking shit to like motivate myself and to like you know do all of this but at the end of the day like we both know what we just went through and we know the ins and outs of how hard you have to what train to even get there so like yeah i like that they put that in there and like he does obviously improve really quickly but to make sure that it's like, yeah, look, like he's never been formally trained before. And even the stuff he was doing with Rocky is just unconventional stuff, and then to actually put him in the ring and, like, doing these more traditional drills that Rocky can't help him with because he physically sort of can't do this aspect of the training anymore, that he becomes his sort of, like, you know, wise mentor, philosophical coach more than he's his physical trainer. Yeah, I like all of that. The swelling silence as the rules are being explained to them, interrupted by Donnie bursting out that he needs to take a shit,
1: Cut me out my gloves. Yeah,
0: because that's the thing, they they can't get them off themselves. They are, like, taped in and they can't get them off. This is a trend that I'm sure you'll be glad to hear continues into Creed 2. Oh, I'm glad. It was
1: my favourite moment of the movie. Oh, of course. The fights in this movie look great.
0: The fights are fucking great. This one in particular is a one-shot. They did 13 takes. They used the 11th. I always think stuff like that must suck as an actor that like, you get that many in. But
1: it, it's impressive because obviously it's all in one take but it's just you watch the way mm-hmm. that it focuses on both fighters and they're both ducking in and out in front of the camera and so it's just, you have to imagine it's the three people in the ring plus the ref, presumably. Yeah knowing what points he has to hit but it's like it swaps between we're going to focus on Donnie for a bit now we're going to focus on Leo and just like swapping between the two of them and there are punches going on in the middle of this and Mm -hmm. just you're not choreographing two people here you're choreographing three people because it definitely feels like this is not shot with a long angle lens to feel like you're in the middle of this fight no I think there's a
0: dude having to duck and weave in between them and like choreographing the movement of the cameraman and they do this a lot actually like not even just in in the fights like some of the training scenes when he's, like, hitting the pads to prepare, I think, in the final one. And the camera just goes... It does, like, three, four full circles of him. And it's just, and then they follow him all the way out the arena it's just like yeah this is crazy this looks so authentic and again michael b jordan has no body double in this movie he had to just go learn how to fucking box i'm not saying you could just shove him in there and he could compete people said that about jake gyllenhaal when he made southpaw that they were like i reckon he could probably fight professionally it's probably an overstatement but he looks the fucking part and he's in there with real boxers and they may be pulling their punches but these all look like real boxing matches If you're making a boxing movie, that's what you're going for, so... It's just a really great scene. And then, like, I love Bianca getting in the ring and shoving him just that little bit too hard. It has very, (laughs) like, real energy to it, where, like, Tessa maybe did push him a little bit too hard, and she's like, I didn't know you had hands like that, though. Because, you know, he, he presents himself as, yeah, I'm a boxer, but it's not until you see him get in the ring and actually he's good. It's like, oh shit, you're like a boxer boxer. And then just to, like, immediately cut to them all falling asleep on the sofa watching Skyfall.
1: (laughs) yeah they're going out for like the most exciting night out ever is what they're like let's go let's go tear the town up and then
0: just asleep and then rocky leaves the room and they fuck and they pan to his little turtle and it's like oh that poor turtle the things he's seen i love that little line of oh he's old don't worry about it the next morning, you know, the, the news has gone out and she's a little bit mad at him, he didn't tell her and it's, she uses the phrase I knew your father was a boxer, He didn't say he's the most famous fighter to ever live. So again, continuing this kind of like Apollo as a stand-in for Muhammad Ali type thing and getting the hosts of Pardon My Interruption to talk about him and say like basically he's the greatest of all time or he's right in the conversation for that and everything. So again, just like making this feel really, really lived in and like these, these fictional characters that like a generation of people have grown up with actually are basically immortal. And it it makes it easier to play that as real. Like, it's not you going oh, this guy I've just met who's never boxed before. Oh, let's talk about him like he's a really good boxer. So it's, like, it's very easy to talk about Rocky Balboa and Apollo Creed. Pretty Ricky Conlan's trainer pounces on the headline. So he's going to prison soon. It's his last sort of opportunity to make a fuckload of money out of boxing. Yeah, we've,
1: we've watched him, or we've heard that he's punched Danny Stuntman Wheeler and, like, broken his jaw, which cancelled the fight that they were supposed to have as his, like, final fight before he went to prison. And
0: And they just need the biggest possible payday, and they need it quickly. Because it's the thing, like, fights take a while to get, like, people don't generally accept a fight on no notice. So you kind of see these things where a big fight will fall apart, and it's quite rare that... You'd think it's as simple as, right, who do you want to fight instead? it doesn't actually often happen that way because
1: that's the thing is a lot of people are wanting to fight to further their cred and they want to feel that they could actually win a fight against a person and the whole thing here is that like pretty ricky conlon can't fight anyone else because either he's already beaten all the people who Hmm. think they can beat him or everyone else is just like now i'm not stepping into that ring because what part of your pedigree is like if you want to be the best in the world you don't want to have any losses on your record yeah
0: he's undefeated he's never been knocked to the mat yeah and like it comes up with Leo as well that Rocky is very conscious of the idea that people are seeing Donnie as a sure win kind of thing well, that's how it was before he learned who he was, kind of thing.
1: But then, but even then, they meet up with Pretty Ricky's trainer. Yes. and they Graham have
0: McTavish. The,
1: yes, <laughs> they they sit down at the table, and Rocky's very much like, you think he's a surefire win. That's why you're coming in with these fluff stats of...
0: I do like that sort of insidious, like, oh, you've been uh, fighting in Mexico, I've got you at 15-0. and 0. And it's like, oh, Jesus Christ. And like, So that makes it 16-0. and 0. That's an easy sell, like, 16-0 and 0 against... I can't remember what he is. Is he, like, 29, 32? He's 36. 36 and 0, yeah. So it's like, yeah, you know, that's a sell, and, oh, we will need you to change your name to Creed, or there's no fight. That's where they get into that little conversation with Bianca about that it's kind of a double standard that he won't use his name, but he will use Rocky kind of thing. But then he does say that he's fearful of taking the name and then losing. Like, the pressure of being the son of potentially the greatest of all time. And then it's like, if he sucks, it's like, oh... Couldn't cut it like your father or whatever. I think it's
1: the only reason they don't care about what this means to him or like what his familiar relationship is. They're just like, this is the son of the greatest boxer of all time, who's finally decided to step into the ring. We get to have him in his second fight. We'll mm-hmm. fluff the numbers a little bit to make it seem like he's fought more. Yeah, <laughs> we beat him, up, beat him up a little bit, reap in the, the the syndication money or or the is it so what? So obviously it's pay per view. The fight is going to be. Yeah, so the, be...
0: the so like like you saw it with like Floyd Mayweather weather and Manny Pacquiao and, and like, you get it with Conor McGregor like fights are worth a certain amount ahead of time and like they basically pay the fighters before the fights even happened like a percentage of that of the gate and then I think they get even more if they win and if, or if they lose or whatever but so like there is so much money in it to just be in a big headline fight regardless of your quality if you can sell it as a big fucking fight you do pretty well out of it. I like Rocky's initial assessment he's like right he's taller than you he's got more reach he's faster he's more more experienced, so you're gonna have to go to the body, but if you do that you are look vulnerable to getting knocked out. So, easy then. And I love Michael B. Jordan's scream, like he's like, I'm fighting Ricky Conlon, he screams it, and it starts out triumphant. And I, I don't know one how one goes about doing this when acting, but like he manages to make it turn from triumph to anxiety in the middle of the scream. And like his voice doesn't change, but his face drops while he's screaming, and it's just like, it starts out as this, like, yeah I'm doing this, and it's like, oh shit, I'm fighting Ricky Conlon. And then we enter this third act, and we get into a completely different movie almost. Not a bad one, by any means, but Rocky collapses while training Donnie, Doctor diagnoses him with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and he of course initially refuses treatment because my wife tried chemotherapy. Didn't work out for her. And, like, he's made his peace with it. Like, Adrian's dead, Paulie's dead, he's getting older, he's
1: genuinely he's,
0: okay with yeah, it. Yeah,
1: he doesn't have this relationship with his son that would be something that would yep. keep yeah. him tethered to wanting to stay alive. Yeah. So he learns this,
0: and he keeps it a secret from Donnie. Donnie has to find the pamphlets in his jacket, and he, he says, like, oh, focus on yourself. Like, if I'm ever not here, just start without me, start warming up. Stallone is, like, shockingly good at this frail acting, I think. Like, again, I don't want to disparage him, and, like, there There are a lot of these action stars who were huge in the 80s and the 90s who were like, Kind of an embarrassment at this point, and like maybe some of the film choices are an embarrassment, is probably more accurate because there's just
1: not a lot of work for older actors. It's the same thing with Bruce Willis, where Bruce yeah. Willis is one of those actors who, the way I see it, is like if he doesn't have respect for you as a director, he's going to phone it in and
0: doesn't he famously like grill directors or ask them really strange questions and then just yeah. sort of monitors their reactions?
1: Yeah, and then if they're a good director, it's why the best performance he's given in years is for Looper because Brian Johnson's a real director. He also has an insane quote which is why he's in so few good movies because I think he asks for like a million dollars a day or something like that that he's going to work on the movie. Yeah. So like they will book him for like five days get all of his stuff out of the way really early on that's And that's local- just not conducive to good acting is it? <laughs> yeah. But it's also like most of the budget for some of these movies is they yeah. get Bruce Willis and you get this walk performance and then he fucks off and yeah. then you just go like right and now we do the rest of the movie. Not just-
0: only so you paid a lot of money, you tried to Curtail how much you were paying, but you also wasted that money because you've gotten the worst version of him. (laughs) Yeah. So you sort of have to spend well to get a good work out of him, but yeah, I, I think Stallone is really good at this and like, you know, we talked about like he's okay with it because he kind of feels he has nothing to live for. Donnie is clearly very hurt at the idea that he doesn't count as a thing for him to live for because he's like, what about me? He's like, oh, you're a great fighter, but you and I and whatever's going on here this
1: is in our heads. You're not family, like this is a very recent relationship that yeah. we've had. I, I know who you are to someone who ostensibly meant a lot to me but as we find out, Rocky has not spoken to Apollo's wife since the funeral. He hasn't kept up with them. He's very much compartmentalised away from this family. And whilst he's doing this because he had respect for for Apollo, it's not, he's not expecting this to be like an ongoing relationship with this person.
0: It strikes me as one of those things of like, both sides kind of expect the other to not care about them back, kind of thing or, it feels like Rocky is saying this because he doesn't expect Donnie to reciprocate. Like, I feel this bond means a lot to Rocky, but he assumes that Donnie, after this is over, is just gonna get back on with his life, so he's like almost guarding himself or playing to what he expects Donnie to think because as soon as he storms out he's like why'd you say that kind of thing and Donnie like obviously has been abandoned by his father who then died and that's not an abandonment but you know for people facing that it can feel like it I suppose and like he's had a lot of that and like we'll see it when like he goes to see one of Bianca's shows, and this, like, local rapper, Tone Trump, asks for an Instagram picture, and then calls him Baby Creed, and then he's like, don't call me that. And it's like, imagine talking shit to a boxer. (laughs) Like, that he's like, yeah, if you talk shit to me, I'm gonna fuck you up. It's like, no, you fucking won't. And then, yeah,
1: like, he's fighting the inmates and everything, and we'll see, he He goes- He fights so many people so quickly, (laughs) because he fights the security guards, he presumably puts up a fight against the police when they arrive. He fights the inmates.
0: Yeah. And I like that Rocky's like, you know, anyone hurt, and he's Ah, nothing serious. Like, he's clearly not asking about Donny; is he? he's asking about them. And you know, he has a nice. There is a nice little scene between them here when he's trying to talk to him about. I think you're trying to fight
1: your father, kind of thing. But
0: when he goes to Bianca afterwards,
1: yeah, to like to apologise because obviously, like, he's kicked yeah. off at her show where she was supporting. Yeah, uh, this rapper, and, and she
0: like and she's very like, you know, would it be cool if I turned up to one of your fights and did this? And like, obviously, it wouldn't. She's obviously she opens the door because he tells her about Rocky but then she closes it again once they've had that quick little moment and then when he's like I trusted you could you please not shut me out and then she takes the fucking hearing aids out while he's banging on the door it's like obviously far too much media disproportionately favours men where like men can be shittier than women are and are still expected to get all of the support he has done wrong here but like it's so devastating to see this where like he clearly has massive abandonment issues and like he doesn't let a lot of people in and for him to say it like that like you know this was big for me please 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 don't do this. And then, yeah,
1: I really like how it acknowledges that she understands the emotional thing that he's going through. Like, she sympathises and empathises in that moment where he's like, the reason I did it is because Rocky's sick. Yeah. And she's like, okay, that's a sucky thing and I'm going to be here for you for that thing. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you should have had more control of yourself and not yeah. acted out in such a way that it also damaged my reputation.
0: And potentially taking the hearing aids out so that she doesn't have to hear him because she would, on a human level, sympathize with him as he's in so much pain and like you know kind of censoring that for her own yeah so that like she you, can stick to her guns kind of thing
1: you have crossed a line in terms of it i understand why you crossed that line i still do not approve that that line has been crossed and i am entitled to my anger i Here need my right.
0: time to be in my feelings about this and be yeah out. exactly
1: and i think i think that's a very emotionally mature thing to do is to yeah. be like these things aren't smoothed over by an explanation people right. still have to be able to feel emotions about things yeah i, thought, I think
0: i think think far too many people want that instant like right as soon as I say sorry I want you to forgive me and I want this to immediately be normal and sometimes you can totally forgive someone or be like look I can forgive you but I do need that time to just be in my feelings about it and then he obviously makes amends with Rocky and he makes that statement of if I fight you fight you have to get treatment if I'm gonna fight in this fight and we get this cool little montage of him training in the hospital like you know running the stairs of the hospital doing the push-ups and like Rocky getting in that jab of like oh my dad and one-handed and then he's doing them one-handed
1: as well um yeah and just just the way he's acting around the nurses and
0: yeah like you know oh don't hit her she'll knock you out and stuff like that <laughs> they do this quick shot of like he's training on the speed bag again and the one that rocky was on earlier is is vacant obviously and it's you know a sad little thing i mean we know he's okay and then donnie gets his version of the iconic running the street scene gonna fly now but it's meek mill who is you know big philly rapper he's wearing air jordan he's wearing a kobe bryant jacket it, there's dirt bikes and quad bikes instead of you know just the kids running and stuff and this is kugler's take on it this is like for michael b jordan like this is your moment your riff on this iconic moment kind of thing so everything's set for the fight in liverpool <laughs> Sylvester Stallone, somehow, someway, is a huge fan of Everton Football Club.
1: I was going to ask, because obviously they do the fight in Goodison Park. Yeah. Like, is it historically used for boxing all that often, or...? Uh,
0: the guy playing Ricky Conlan, Anthony Bellew, is from Liverpool. He won a title in Goodison Park, and it was the first outdoor boxing match in Liverpool since 1949. So, very much riffing on that, I feel, and his personal history there and everything. Thing, but yeah, what a bizarre... Whenever I hear an, Ameri- an American celebrity loves football, I'm sort of like, what, really? And then when I hear they support a team that isn't, like, Manu or yeah, Arsenal like Ice or... or... Crystal Palace. It's like, like you fucking what? <laughs> Do you know what that is? So strange. I
1: mean, <laughs> I guess it's the same where it's, like, with you and the Portland Trailblazers. Like, yes. Would an American kind of go, like, what the fuck, you as a, as yeah, a British person... like not why the Lakers, not on?
0: the Celtics, not the Knicks. You like fucking Portland, yeah. You can thank Scottie Pippa for that and the Chicago Bulls in a roundabout way I followed him to them but there you go so they do the press conference thing Conlon is laying into him verbally false creed silver spoon all of that stuff and like you know it's that thing of like he has been around this for a long time he knows what he's doing he maybe wouldn't he probably would have been on the other end of it in his first few fights he has fought 30 times also you know he is mouthy he is from Liverpool like Trash talk is, is yeah, his forte. I,
1: I do enjoy that every single time Donnie tries to go and talk about, I'm going to take this seriously. These questions, like I'm going to talk about what it means to to be doing this fight and what legacy is, and blah blah blah, relationship <laughs> with my father. And every single time he opens his mouth about one line, the other guy's just like, we just hit to punch each other in the face. What the fuck are you acting <laughs> so serious for?
0: And then like you know, you get this scene of you know Rocky comes into the room and he keeps looking at the door and he's very not subtle about it. Bianca, has- very
1: not subtle and he's got the worst timing in the world. <laughs> yeah. Which is, which is so good, he's like, he comes in and goes like, oh, we need to talk about something very serious right now and then he's like, yeah, the door's gonna go in a second. Just oh, was sit
0: like, oh, in who silence. could that be?
1: It's yeah. <laughs> just sit in silence whilst we wait for the knock.
0: And then I love his not at all subtle way of saying please don't have sex.
1: <laughs> and, and yeah, again, a callback to the first Rocky movie where it's all about like sex hurts box legs or this is a
0: thing in all of sport, it's just sort of like this potentially false belief that if a man has a release, <laughs> then it will Lower his sort of testosterone and like.
1: Oh boy, the stories that I could tell about the Olympic (laughs) Village at my university. (laughs) Oh god, I can't,
0: is it 100,000 condoms they give to the Olympic Village or something like that?
1: It was, it was something insane, it was like, yeah, you just have this, and uh, I knew people who were, like had to go clean the university rooms from oh, like, just god. all the disgusting things that were happening in those rooms and I, stuff
0: like that. I do love the idea of the most elite athletes in the world just engaging in a giant fucking international orgy. Yeah, <laughs> just, like,
1: you only see each other once every, well, at the Olympics <laughs> we see each other once every four years, obviously sporting events in between those kind of things, and yeah. just like like, whether or not, I imagine it has to be after the event that they've done, but it's like, you, when you've done the event that you've done, what do you do? <laughs>
0: it's like the big golden orgy in Westworld, but good. Um... <laughs> Marianne sends Donnie Apollo's old shorts they have Johnson on the back they have Creed on the front so sort of fulfilling the obligation that well you know it makes it a money fight if you go under Creed but he adamantly wanted to have his own legacy he wanted to box for his mother
1: Yeah, Yeah, I I do like both movies have like short jokes because obviously Rocky (laughs) has the scene where he goes into the stadium looks up at the picture of himself and then turns to the person who's running it and goes like I'm going to be wearing red shorts not white shorts (laughs) (laughs) and then in this movie it's like he's gonna be wearing the red, white, and blue. The the famous,
0: Apollo. yeah, Apollo's pomp and circumcised shorts. And like Rocky would go on to wear them as tribute to Apollo in Rocky Three and Rocky Four. And Stallone was quite adamant he wanted Jordan to wear them, just keeping that tradition alive. it's a nice It makes sort of sense. Oh,
1: it's a shame he doesn't come out dressed as, dressed <laughs> of as George Sam. Washington.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, and George Washington. Yeah. Yeah. A weird one that, but yeah. So <laughs> before Hamilton. <laughs> Uh, instead, as I said, this impressive shot of him training, him getting ready, and then like you see, Rocky's hand on Donnie's shoulder, and they walk the whole way out, and he comes out to "Hail Mary" by Tupac, and they do this great job of making Conlon look cool as fuck, emerging from the smoke and silhouette and everything.
1: Yeah, um, and the, the, the flame breather who just kind of like shoots out <laughs> the three flames. I like, do it, like
0: it's... how elaborate like fight intros get for boxing and MMA. It is kind of cool, and yeah, like just echoing the events of the first movie. Donnie loses. But he wins everyone's respect. He takes Conlon the distance. He's the first person to knock Conlon down. Conlon is like, yeah, nothing but respect, all of that stuff.
1: It, it is literally the exact same, like yeah, the it's split for decision B. at yeah. the end, making it all. In this movie, it's twelve rounds versus fifteen in the first Rocky mm-hmm. movie. I think there is a little bit more of the first Rocky ends in such a way where, like, it focuses on the relationship between Adrian and Rocky. The movie barely even tells you what the, the point difference was. It just says it, it barely acknowledges the fact that Rocky loses. And, so much more
0: and that that is the big beat of Rocky Balboa that they went back to is like as soon as the fight's over he is talking to Mason Dixon and being like you're a great champion forget what people say you're great and he's like already getting out of the ring and just starting to leave before they've even announced the decision because he doesn't care he just wanted to prove at age 60 whatever he could still fight it's this idea that it doesn't matter about wins and losses it's just proving something to yourself and like that's his whole philosophy when you see him boxing in the mirror he's like that's your opponent it's you against you kind of thing
1: yeah but but obviously the key difference here is like the commentators keep on saying where if the fight had gone on for another 30 seconds for another minute or whatever Donnie could have won it yeah. felt like Donnie finally had a, a point where he could get the knockout in the 12th round which is why it's a bit more explicit that, that Creed won the night for yeah. that one it's like obviously he's coming up from a point of view of like this is his first televised professional fight in this way and he stands up against the light, is it light heavyweight or is it?
0: World light heavyweight champion, yeah. yes. And then above that I think is cruiserweight and then heavyweight I don't know. Yeah, and like, you know, it follows the structure you would expect. He gets fucking hammered in the first and it's just like it's so much more than like he would have expected of it and everything and it's like, you know, you've got no chance basically. He cuts him in the second well, it's kind of like we don't see every round so it's like occasionally you'll see a ring card held up and it's round seven or whatever, but in terms of the ones they show you, it's sort of like, you know, he gets slaughtered in the first, he cuts him in the second, Donnie's almost out on his feet in the third, like, he's comically walking to the wrong corner, that sort of stuff.
1: Yeah, like, they show you the big hits and, like, where the fight starts to sway between the two of them. I adore that moment like obviously they don't do a cut in the same visceral way that they do in in rocky one oh he's but tapping the, his neck <laughs> he's happy his neck where like he's got the swollen eye and the doctor has to come in and be like he can't fight if he can't see at out of one eye his cut man is is tapping the back of his neck with the amount of times of fingers that he's holding up the cut man's like a famous cut man isn't he yeah ditch
0: he played Mason Dixon's cut man in Rocky Balboa, and yeah, he is. I don't know how many notable cut men there are, but he is the most notable one, I believe. If a doctor ever discovered that, or if, or the like, the boxing commission ever discovered that, it's like that's a hideous like abuse of 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 (laughs) of medical trust or whatever but yeah and like they make a point of like showing all of the blood buckets and the spit and everything and like you know that this is a rough fucking thing he does get his like ridiculous knockout that would have ended the fight kind of thing that he's like sailing off his feet and then like you see that montage of his life And then he just sort of, like, suddenly inhales and, like, bursts to his feet. And, like, this is a big thing. Like, in boxing, they continue to count when you're back on your feet. And you see it in his fight against Leo earlier. And I was like, oh, cool, that's realistic. Because, like, I feel in in the old Rocky films, it's like, they're barely struggling to their feet. Eight, nine, oh, he's barely up. And it's like, they would have counted ten. Like, you have to show you're, like, fully about your wits. And, like, you know, I think him bursting to his feet like that helps with that. But it's like, I feel they would have just immediately said knockout if he hit the ground like that, but hey, you've got to have your big Rocky
1: moment. (laughs) It's part of the editing that kind of fucks the movie over because Mm. we don't know how long he's down for because it's like it goes all slow motion. You get the montage in the middle of it and (laughs) it's like, it could just be he was down and then up. About two seconds later. Yeah, yeah, we don't know. But it's them
0: striving for that classic, you know. Oh, he's barely on his feet by nine, and you know he comes back and wins, whatever. But and then like knocking him down right at the end, you can't be saved by the bell in the final round, which is probably good for the concept of boxing that like you know you must beat the count but yeah you know he's the first person to knock him down potentially they go another round or the round is slightly longer and he you know puts him on the ground again and wins um, I find it wild that Max Kellerman is trusted with delivering some of the final dialogue in this movie the commentator who also interviews him he also does a lot of basketball and he is just renowned for arguing with another man that talks very loudly and they just argue and it gets like millions of YouTube hits and it's like hey I guess this is what sells for people but yeah you know they're getting a lot of real people here and to rely on him to sort of like, like how do you feel what would you say to your father that kind of stuff obviously tony bellew is not going to be much of an actor like you are hiring him to be authentically a boxer his little speech to him at the end it is a little bit shit but like i feel the emotion of it all lets you sort of shrug that off he's sort of like you know you're a real creed you earned it you're you're the future of this sport all of that it's fine yeah and they all get in the ring and you get that and then as you said earlier that final shot of them i do like this them walking the steps and rocky like panting the whole way up kind of thing And they're looking out on the city together. Like, I think it is an emotionally touching moment for sure.
1: It's good. It's just it feels, especially having just watched Rocky One, which has this.
0: Well, you're trained to expect a freeze frame in the ring as the final shot.
1: Yes really fucking good movie Yeah, I'm gonna gonna say it now I think the best movie that you've ever had me watch for the first time (laughs) in one of these I mean I I blew my load very early on by having you watch Memento for the first time I don't know if I'm ever gonna replicate
0: well no and that also felt like a layup like it's the kind of thing where it's like I've been meaning to watch it for forever and it's right to my wheelhouse (laughs) so okay well I'm glad to hear that as an overall note Ludwig's score is incredible the soundtrack is incredible oh yeah when, Um, when the
1: Rocky theme kicks in Like his rework of it in this final fight, I was like, yeah, Yeah. I'm fucking feeling this
0: the song playing over the end credits waiting for my moment which is Jenny Iko, Chardish Gambino and Vince Staples and it's like cool someone just made my dream like collaboration and just Donald just proving again it's I was saying as we were watching this last night I was like how infuriating is it that he was just sitting there knowing he had one of the best voices in the whole world and he didn't reveal it until so long into, you know like he's a writer's room assistant he's on a sitcom he's rapping on the side and then he's like oh by the way I can see Sing like a motherfucker, <laughs> and then he's like, and now I'm off to make Atlanta, and he's like,
1: okay, Donald. Yeah, the rare like quintuple threat. Or whatever you <laughs> yeah, refer to yeah, him. yeah, yeah, just maddening. I mean, obviously, like Glover's credited on on Black Panther for like special thanks and stuff like that was. Mm. Did that relationship start here, or...?
0: I really don't know, but again, there were rumours that he was going to be making an appearance in a possible Black Panther 2. Don't know if that was ever true, if it is still true. He is certainly someone I would like to see enter this wheelhouse of actors that Ryan Coogler is obsessed with, kind of thing. As I said, it's so much better than it has any right to be, almost. But just everything is working for it. They took it really fucking seriously. They got a great director. I think it's fucking insane. Fruitvale Station had not even entered full production when he first met with Stallone and booked this gig. The studio signed off on it after they saw Fruitvale Station, but they're like, he got Stallone's consent when he hadn't made a full film. It's like, that's insane. And like, what a trio of movies to have for the decade. And his only three released feature film director credits, I think, is Fruitvale Station. Yeah, like,
1: some... we're getting into a point now where we're going to be covering an awful lot of directors who are coming like almost fully formed out mm-hmm. of the gates. Like, we, we're a couple episodes away from just a huge, huge Directorial <laughs> debut,
0: yes, yes, everyone. <laughs> in terms
1: of in terms of critical acclaim, but you've got just I, I think there's like maybe like three or four directors, obviously i think of the ones we're going to be discussing at the tail end of this podcast kugler is the most mainstream one original movie and two franchise movies even if they feel wholly original expressions and and elevated above the rest of their respective franchises and a lot of the others we're going to be talking about are people solely working in their own original ideas but i think it's very obvious that kugler has a sense of style a sense of author he's got an authorial voice that is pretty undeniable and yeah. he is someone who can weaponize and utilise the, the structures of franchise and blockbuster storytelling better than all, an awful lot of people yeah. who are coming up. Like,
0: it is like you say, he almost arrived fully formed. And it's just like no one is this good this fast. <laughs> I mean, some people have been historically, but yeah, it is a rarity. Our director for for next week not new to this because it will be Arrival by Denis Villeneuve, Dune's own
1: again. A man like this is his. We'll be covering his first sci-fi movie. It feels like that's almost exclusively where he works now. Yeah, but yeah, I'm excited to see that
0: one. People who listen to podcasts with me on may remember I once moderated an Oscar discussion for the year Arrival came out yeah I Mike Thomas and Jerome Cuson gave their thoughts on the movie I remember absolutely none of them I know none of the reveals or anything or the spoilers so I'm looking forward to finally watching Arrival I think I remember thinking it sounded like the coolest film nominated for an Oscar that year
1: we as spoilers will not be discussing Moonlight this year I do think Moonlight is a really fucking good movie there is a reason why we're not discussing it and we will get to that every movie that we're discussing that is based on a book for the rest of this I have read the book that it's based on and I will have Opinions on that. We'll do like a little book corner with Ben. Okay.
0: We get to them. Okay. Well, until then, though, will there be movies or like is there a way to draw the abstract concept of a movie for an alien?
1: We'll do that next week. For this week, I want to like go twelve rounds against.
0: Uh, yeah, that sucks. I did Bye, everyone.
1: <laughs>